Welcome to Tin City Limits, the show that shares the unique, compelling stories of the artisans who make up the Paso Robles neighborhood known as Tin City. My name is Mark Wilson, and this week's guest is winemaker and pasta king, Brian Terezi. As I make my way off the 101 headed to Tin City, I'm reminded of just how unusual a location this actually is. If you've never been to Tin City, it's easy to get a little confused. You'll end up driving through some industrial-looking landscapes. It's not the rolling hills and vineyards of Paso Robles. And that can make you think you're way off course. Well, you're not. Trust me. Just keep going. Because the effort is going to be well worth it. Brian Terezi is already an accomplished winemaker. You might have seen stories about him and his wine in the San Francisco Chronicle, the New York Times, or Forbes magazine. Today, we're meeting him at his newest endeavor. He calls it etto, which is actually the Italian word that represents a sensible portion of pasta for one person. That's about a quarter pound. Etto's driven by Brian's intense love of Italian food and his own Italian heritage. It's an extension of his Italian grandmother, with whom he had an especially close relationship. As my co-host Andrew Jones and I enter Edo, which one can't help but notice is actually a pasta emporium. I mean, this place has everything, spaghetti, ziti, fettuccine, and a whole bunch I can't pronounce. And it's just about every fresh ingredient you'd need to prepare an authentic Italian meal. We sit down with Brian while a big, shiny machine behind us extrudes freshly made pasta. We start our conversation with two facts. Brian is Italian, and Brian is originally from Cincinnati. Let's let's go back just a little bit. Let me go back to Cincinnati. At some point, you um, you find your way to California. You 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 you're going west. Yeah. How did that happen? Why did you make that move? Cincinnati's not a bad town. I've been there. A lot of humidity. No. Are you still it, a Bengals fan? <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, I'm still a Bengals fan. I, <laughs> I gave up on the Reds, but you know the Bengals gotta love the Bengals. But um, but you know Cincinnati wasn't a bad place but i took a couple trips out west when i was a kid and i i i just love i love the west coast and i i I love california um and it just seemed like to me i mean cincinnati's difficult to kind of have your own business to it's you know a little little bit um uh, you know, sheltered and, and people aren't as creative. And, you know, I just I just felt like... It's a blue-collar town. Yeah, I felt like out here there was kind of a world of possibilities for me. So, you know, I, I didn't know exactly what I wanted to do when I moved out here, but I just knew if I could get to California, I, I could I could pretty much do whatever I wanted. And, and you had... Did you have any inkling at all about culinary, making pasta, doing wine? Or was it just the world's wide open, I'm just going west? Yeah, no, I, I I moved out here with a job in finance, and I worked in San Francisco, you know, and sat in a cubicle, and I knew I didn't want to do that, but it paid the bills, and it got me out here, and I wasn't making a lot of money, but, you know, it was enough to get by. I already was really into food and really into wine, and, I mean, S- San Francisco is one of the best culinary cities in the yeah, world. Yeah, no doubt. And I was right next to wine country, and I, I got to meet tons of different winemakers, and, and that's kind of where that, that whole adventure started. You know, it took, you know, four or five years to develop. So you're sitting in your cubicle up in San Francisco, and you've yep. got a plan in mind? Or, or you just all of a sudden said, you know what? Screw the math. I'm out of here. You know, I, I just knew I wanted to do something on my own. And I didn't know exactly what that was. But I, I knew, I knew it, you know, it was, some, it was something different. And 
I got to know some winemakers, you know, and I was at a party and it was a few months before or a few weeks before harvest. And I met a winemaker for Rosenblum, Jeff Cohn, and I just picked his brain and said, you know, I'm so sick of my job. And he's like, well, you should come work harvest. And I said, work harvest, you know, and doing what? And I thought about it and I said, you know what? I need to do something else. I said, I'm just going to, I'm just going to do it, you know, work, work harvest for a winery. So I went in to work and it, you know, it was like a Saturday night party and I put in my notice, you know, and they instantly you're finished. You know, if you work in finance, you know, you, you quit your job, you're done. So I had no job. And then I started calling Rosenblum and they wouldn't call me back. You know, Jeff wouldn't answer the phone. And after a couple of weeks, I was really freaking out. I was like, I made a horrible mistake here. So I, I drove over to the winery and I found Jeff. It's a big winery. And <clears throat> he said, oh, yeah, yeah, you're that guy that keeps calling. And he's like, well, you can start working today, basically. And I said, I'll come back tomorrow. But, uh, and, and, you know, and I tell people. Why? why? Just to make a point? It was like two in the afternoon. I was kind of dressed nice. I was trying to make a good impression, and I needed to regroup a little bit. But, but you know, I showed up my first day, and, you know, they gave me uh, hoses, a racking wand, and, you know, all this stuff to make wine. And I Again, I, you've got no idea what you're doing. You're just doing what you're told no to do. No idea. They no said, idea. They said, taste every barrel. You know, you got to move all this wine from here into this tank. you got to... I had no idea what to do, but I, I tasted all this wine. I didn't know you were supposed to spit it, so I, you know, <laughs> drank this 17% Rosenblum Zinfandel. And, right. Um, you know, at the end of the day, I mean, I, find, I, I actually got the work done, and I was like, this was crazy. It was really hard. I'm really tired, but I said, this is what I'm going to do for the rest of my life. You know, I said, I'm... That was the moment. Yeah. I said, I'm, I'm done sitting behind a desk. You know, this, this is what I want to do, you know, so... And and but what was it about that moment? Was the was it the physicality? Was it the was it the fact that you were just doing you, who knows a dozen different things? It's it's just you know the feeling of of making something. I mean I you know I worked in finance as a trader, and there's no end, there's no beginning, and you know when you're doing products like wine or pasta, there's a beginning and an end, and at the end you have a product. And you know this first day, I think I realized I was doing something that was it was it was a physical thing mm-hmm. physical work but mm-hmm. there is this there's this physical thing at the end and there's a bottle of wine that you can enjoy and share with friends and you know when you work in finance people ask what you do you tell them you trade stocks and they people just move on nobody nobody cares about stuff like that you know it's not just, very romantic well they just figure you make a lot of money but, I but yeah but it's not very romantic i, I mean, wasn't even making money so it, it's it's funny well it's not funny it's interesting that that so many of the people we talked about here at tin city have that same sort of basic idea that that they're 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 in this or one of the things that they enjoy most about it is they're making something from nothing they're creating something that that people in the end get to enjoy yeah no it's it's a it's a really great feeling and it you know it's a it's a feeling of accomplishment you know that you you've taken something that's really an idea and something that comes out of the ground and and then you you have something to show for it, and uh, yeah, it's 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 pretty it's pretty unique, you know. So, all right, so you you end up uh, at Mr. Rosenblum's vineyard or his winery, and uh, take us from there. So, you know, I worked there for a year, and then I and, and that's when I realized, you know, I need to I need to go to Italy um, because that was that was really my goal. Is why to, though? I knew 
that's where I would I would learn exactly what I wanted to do. I wanted to work with Italian grape varieties. I wanted to learn how they do things in a in a country and a culture where they've been doing this for thousands of years. Just because of your own Italian heritage? Yes, yeah, okay. for sure. Okay. You know, if I was French I probably would have gone to France, but Right. But, you know, I wanted to explore these connections I had and then also learn in a place that was uh had the culture around wine. Yeah. So, I, you know, I worked for a winery called uh, Isola Elena, which is... So now you're quitting, you're quitting Rosenblum's winery, and you're just taking off and going to Italy? Yes. Yeah, pretty much. That's no what job? I did. Or, or did you have something lined up? I actually went first um, and just visited wineries, and I was, you know, the plan was to go back to Rosenblum. So I visited wineries for about a month, learned the language. That's when I discovered the Eto situation. And I found a couple wineries that said they'd take me on. So... Did you speak Italian? I didn't, but I told him I'd learn by the time I got back, which <laughs> I didn't. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't really hold hold up my end of the bargain on that one. <laughs> but uh, but eventually I learned. I mean, now I now I can get by on a reasonable level, so that's that's good. But you know, so I went over in the spring and I and I found wineries, and you know, I actually came back, worked at Rosenblum. Um, but the but the following harvest, I went. I went and worked in Italy, and, and, you know, working in Italy, what was amazing about it is I, I learned that harvest isn't a big deal. I mean, you you know, over there, they've been doing it for thousands of years. You know, they still enjoy a nice lunch. They still go out to dinner. and they live. And go to the nightclubs, and, yeah. you know, you don't you don't worry. You just try to organize yourself at harvest so that you can, you can have a normal life, and, um, and that's the way I operate here. Which I think is a little a little uncommon in in California. You know, you know a lot of a lot of folks seem to freak out at harvest and work. The mayor of Ten Cities laughing. Yeah. Oh, no, it's why a, are you laughing? It's amazing how people freak out about it. Yeah, there's a little bit more work. I mean, I wish I could get the thing dialed for the regular life during that time because there's extended hours. That's for sure. Right. But there's nothing to freak out about. It's still just another day, and. Yeah, but you, you know. guys are arguing. I mean, you're busier. There's a lot going on. Well, you kind of, yeah. I mean, you, the way I see it is you, you just do what you can do in that day, and then you do the rest the next day. But, you know, it's it's there, there's nothing that can't be done at a later date. So culturally, it's a whole lot different than what you've, than what you've got going on here Yeah, what I, in the States. Yeah, what I, what I learned, you know, I worked at Rosenblum, which was 24-7. There was no... Uh, time that there wasn't someone working in the winery um, during harvest to Italy, where we worked five days a week, eight a.m. to five p.m. You know, had a two-hour lunch or hour and a half lunch, and nice leisurely dinners. And um, I kind of said, you know, that's how I want my life to operate when I get back to the states. I don't, I don't want to work the Rosenblum model. Right. Um, right. So Brian acknowledges he learned a lot in Italy, but as he prepared to return to the states, he did so with the idea that someday. Someday he would own his own brand. Yeah, I mean, I, I knew I wanted to own my own thing, and I'm, you know, I think owning your own thing is where things can definitely get out of balance because you know there's there's a lot of complexity. You know, there's a lot of um, financial stuff you have to deal with. There's a, a lot of regulations, and you know, there's right. Um, so that's the difficult part. But I think as far as managing managing life, it's um, it's trying to work fairly normal hours, trying to uh, be balanced, you know, and, and not uh, not overdo things, you know. You seem pretty relaxed to me. Try to be. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So 
You're, you're in Italy. You're learning all these things. Yes. Uh, you decide, this is the life I want. I want the Italian life. Yes. I want to eat good food. I want to make good food. I want to make, I want to make good wine. Maybe make some pasta someday. Let's go back to California and do it. Where are we, where are we going next? Yeah, so, you know, I came, I came back. Um, I went to Fresno State. It's interesting because I'd already worked uh, in a couple wineries. So, um, you know, as far as going to school there, uh, you know, I kind of I took out of the program what I needed. And a lot of it I knew I didn't need because, you know, they teach you a lot of research and a lot. What program are you in? Uh, I went for uh, enology, okay, so okay. for winemaking, and and you know, probably I always tell people the best thing I got out of Fresno State was uh, was a wife because that's where I met my wife Stephanie, um, who's a viticulturalist. So you know, she she really makes it happen for for our winery and also you know life in general. She does all our books and but um, but you know, Fresno State was a good good time to uh, kind of formulate a plan. And, you know, work on, you know, make sure I, I had the skills to uh, fix wines and, you know, if something went wrong. But I, but I always knew that someday I'd have my own, my own winery. So, so you, did have a, you did have a vision. You weren't, kind of, you weren't wandering from place to place trying these different things. You kind of knew where you were going. No, I mean, what I wanted to do is, is work with Italian grape varieties um, and... In, in, in doing so, there's really not many people, maybe a handful, that were doing anything that I really could aspire to. So, I, you know, I kind of had to do my own thing. And, um, you know, so we started our winery, you know, now I think it's like 13 years ago. We started with one barrel of wine. So, you know, I knew this would take a very long time. And, you know, the, the plan was learn while I'm at school, experiment. You know, I was making wine when I was at school in a shed in my backyard. Are you making a living? Are you earning money? What are you doing? When? Trading stocks? Oh, when I was at school? Yeah. So I, was, I, I worked for an Italian deli. So Sam's, Sam's Italian Deli. Ah, Sam's in Fresno. Have you been there? It's the I best. believe I have, yeah. It's, it's the best. It, and I think I've seen it. Uh, hasn't, uh, what's his name on? Diners, Drive-Ins, and Dives. What's that guy's name? Guy oh, Fieri, I think, has done something from there. I don't know. Maybe, maybe, but it's it, it's an amazing place. So I, you know, I worked, I worked there. Um, they make their own pasta. I, I ran the wine program there. Um, so you know, I I uh, I got to learn about a lot about you know buying wine, selling wine to customers. Um, you know, and that that really shaped you know a lot of kind of what I what I do now with respect to creating labels and and who the end user is going to be with my wine. So. So that, that, was a, that was a really good experience. You know, I worked there like two and a half years. After the break, Brian Terezi realizes his dream. But there are plenty of bumps along the way. More when Tin City Limits returns after this. Making something from nothing isn't always easy. That means looking down a road that others tell you not to take and taking it anyway. It's knowing where you come from and knowing where you're going without ever being sure you'll actually get there. It takes fierce loyalty, perseverance, courage, and an unwavering commitment to doing things right. Tin City Cider's made of these things, built on the dogged work ethic and the humble nature of their three owners, who spend their best days turning apples into art. Tin City Cider's crafted with an appreciation for Mother Nature's hard labor, 
with the sunlight on the trees and the roots seeking minerals. So the next time you're looking for a hard cider that emboldens the spirit of every craftsman that's ever made anything good, crack open a Tin City Cider. See them online at TinCityCider.com or visit their tap room at Tin City in Paso Robles. Tin City Cider Company, the ultimate cider experience. Welcome back to Tin City Limits, the show that goes inside the lives of the artisans and producers of the Paso Robles neighborhood known as Tin City. As we continue with our conversation with Brian Teresi of Edo, Brian's latest effort to produce authentic organic Italian fresh and dried pasta, we learned that he's not unlike many of the other artisans who occupy space at Tin City. He's devoted his life, his finances, and his heart to his craft. He didn't start with a lot of money. This is a labor of love. But like most things worth doing, it's not always been easy. It's it's always a challenge. I mean, this this business, it, hopefully pasta is easier than wine, but wine is very, very difficult. If I would have known going into it how, how difficult it was, I probably never would have done it because, you know, I didn't start with a large fortune. I started with no fortune and you know started with one barrel and six barrels 10 barrels um and kind of our growth has to somehow sustain uh everything we're doing so you know you have to go to banks and then banks tell you you're not doing what they need you to do and yeah, but you're a finance guy you had a, you had a leg up dude well i was never that good at finance so <laughs> <laughs> I, I uh but um that's why i'm doing this but, but, you know, to be honest, it's, you know, it's a different world. Um, you know, the finance I was dealing with, you know, dealing with accountants and banks and lawyers in the wine business is, uh, isn't, isn't what gets me out of bed in the morning. You know, I, I do my best to make money so that we can show uh, a little bit of profitability for the bank. But, but that's not at all what, what drives what we're doing here. I mean, it's more uh, the creativity around wine and food and, and, the culture around it and you know trying to make sure we have a roof over our head but worst day so far well i mean my worst day was probably my last day in in working in finance because you know i i couldn't couldn't stand it you know the people were miserable and it was just a just well, a, i'm talking about here though we know that we've been all about that day that wasn't a good day yeah you know i mean toughest i mean the, 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 what's been the toughest thing about this endeavor for you you know, there's there's always days where equipment breaks. You know, uh, I'll give you a really good worst day. Is I think it was three years ago. Uh, Andrew Jones sitting to my right. Let me borrow his press, and we moved it over to our winery right next door and started running it. And it was making some really strange sounds. And then all of a sudden, there's like black smoke everywhere. And <laughs> I'm like, oh my god, what do we do? And it, we totally blew up his press, and <laughs> and not only that, but he was bringing in grapes in like two days, and let me use his press out of the kindness of his heart. Didn't charge me a dime, and I, you know, called. We we all know a guy who knows how to fix these things. Of course, you know they send these little parts over from Germany. It fits in a, you know, it's like a tiny little box. Parts cost like two thousand dollars. It's like, what is this? Oh, you gotta be kidding me. But, you know, when, when, if it was my stuff, it'd be one thing. But, you know, when, when, when you're affecting one of your friends and colleagues, I mean, that, that's, that's a rough day. That's a really rough uh, day. How, what was that conversation like? Uh, hey, Andrew, 
Guess what? I forgot about that one, actually. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad. I shouldn't have brought it up. But uh, <laughs> but w- we actually got it fixed. I mean, you know, the nice thing about being with, with guys like Andrew back here is he he knows this stuff happens. And he just said, we've got to get it fixed. And I said, I know. So we, we got it fixed. And, and, and maybe a best day is once you once you fix something like that. I mean, it's it's a tremendous sense of accomplishment when you're faced with just a a horrible situation like that and you uh you come out of it you know so and and, and that's you, happened more than once you, i mean that's well do you think that would have i mean i i, I was going to ask you if you thought that would could happen anyplace else of course it could but is that part of the magic of tin city for you it's that sort of community where you know you busted andrew's equipment and he's he's okay he knows where you live yeah no it's i, I mean it's it's an amazing there's like a feeling it's, to for have, me. It's communication, collaboration, cooperation that seems to sort of permeate this place. Yeah, no, it's it's a it's a it's a great feeling to be back here because you know you you do have this camaraderie and and people to people to help or bounce ideas off. I mean, you know, I, I don't think I've told Andrew this. I've, I think I've told some of the people that work with Andrew this, but I don't know if I would have done Eto really without him because. You know, he's been really creative in some of his endeavors and some of the, the things he's been involved in back here in Tin City. You know, seeing some of that and, and seeing the creativity that, that folks come up with back here, you know, and me wanting to contribute something to the community that I think um, would be would be really special and, and help elevate the experience for everyone, you know, is, is kind of what drove me with, with Eto back here. So they, they, in a sense, push you. Well, but even early on with the Tin City thing, when, you know, Brian and I were the first two wineries down here. And, uh, you know, it was just a warehouse to make wine for me when I got down here. And I remember, like, when Brian locked things, I was like, I didn't mess with the three-year lease. I went for the 10. This is going to be the thing. This is going to be huge. <laughs> I went for Everybody's moving down here. Everyone's buzzing. And they're all going to move down here. This is going to be a thing. And... I mean, Brian really had the vision of what I think now we have down here versus just a couple, you know, warehouses, having other things here, turning it into a hub. Yeah. I mean, I I think it was clear to me when I saw Andrew back here and I realized I'd be next to him, you know, and Andrew was like, oh, it's just a place to make wine. It's, you know, kind of low profile. And I said, well, it's not going to be that way for long. And he was like, okay. And then... And then before I knew it, you know, we had people visiting us. And then all of a sudden, Andrew had these murals done on his doors that were 20 feet tall. And I said, okay, Andrew's starting to figure out that this is going to become a destination. <laughs> Andrew, Andrew and I both talked a lot about, like, what kind of people would we, would we like to share the neighborhood with? There's a lot of people who have kind of worked the same way we have kind of from the, from the ground up, you know, started very small and... Um, I think that's kind of the magic back here. A lot of a lot of people started with pretty much nothing like we did, and and it's still a struggle. But but we've all kind of uh, struggled together to to build something. So I'm going to ask you a series of questions. Okay. Uh, how important are cannolis? Uh, can I do it on like a scale of one to ten? Mm-hmm. I'd give them like a well, I'll give them an eight. Yeah, me too. I might go nine. The, the problem is, just from a delicious factor, or like, I mean, if you're going to nail the Italian stuff, you got to get a cannoli down. Well, here, here, here's the thing. So, cannolis are, are really from Sicily, and that's where my family comes from. So, the town my family comes from. First time I went there, they were making fresh cannolis in this little bakery, and the shell was 
hot and crispy and the center was cold almost like ice cream and the combination of the two and it was a a chocolate pistachio it it was the most ridiculously good thing Mm. i've ever eaten in my life Uh and i'm I'm not a huge dessert person and and i think after that i kind of said i'll never have a cannoli that good again in my life and i haven't you know that was that was 15 years ago so I, let's get I busy. Let's do one. I, yeah. So I'm, I guess I'm I'm searching for that cannoli experience again. <laughs> that maybe only happens once in a lifetime. How many different kind of pastas are you allowed to have in one meal? Well, that see that's a tough one because you know Italians would probably probably say one, but you know I go to Il Cortile in Paso, one of my one of my favorite places, and if it's not crowded, I'll say, hey, can you uh, can you do a, a a plate with all your different pastas and sometimes they'll put four or five on a plate for me and and you know it i've had more than one pasta in italy before but you know i'll, I'll eat as much pasta as as i can eat you know I'll, I'll have 10 plates of pasta in a night you know all right so uh this will be very telling <clears throat> have you ever 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 been in an olive garden you know i think i was once and it if, you're in, if you lived I, in Fresno, I, you definitely were. No, never in Fresno. I mean, this was this was really early on, okay. and it's it's very embarrassing. But I don't think I had a choice. I, I wasn't of driving age. Not proud of that moment. So let's finally here talk about what do you hope to accomplish with Etto? What's the what's the end game? We're going to build it and then sell it one day. Are we going to build it and just expand nationally? Where's it going? Yeah, that's that's interesting. I mean, so I have a really good team that I work with here, and you know, they're all, you know, I've set up like a four hundred one k and profit sharing, and I, I really want this to be a team effort because uh, I really believe in it. And I believe in if the team's involved, it'll it'll be very successful. And you know, what I've kind of said is like, let's let's get through the year, let's get through our first year, and then let's let's get together and and see what we want to do with it. I mean. You know, do we want to try to expand and make it a regional or national brand? Do we want to keep it in Tin City and just focus on local? Do we want to franchise and stick Etos in every city in America? Um, I really just want to focus on quality right now and then uh, see what happens. Because, you know, it's it's been very, very well received in the community. And I don't want to jeopardize that in any way and, you know, just take it step by step. Finally, we wanted to know what Brian's grandmother, the grandmother who inspired Brian's love of everything Italian, would think of him today. You know, I think she'd she'd really, really be proud of, of this because, I, you know, I don't think even though my father worked in finance, I don't I don't think she ever really thought that was what I should what I should do with my life. And, and that's all she knew that I did. So um, but I think with this, I think I think she would really be excited. I mean, she was. She was obsessed with with food and cooking for people, and um, you know, I think I think she'd be very proud. So, our thanks to Brian Terezi for being part of our show. For more information on Brian's family and his wine and pasta business, go to ettopastaficio.com, or you can just Google Etto, that's E-T-T-O, and follow it from there. For more information about Tin City, go to tincitypaso.com. Tin City Limits is recorded at Tin City in Paso Robles and brought to you by Tin City Cider Company. Executive produced by Andrew Jones and Mark Wilson for Crush Media. Technical assistance provided by Brad Johnson. 
This and other Tin City Limits shows can be streamed online at crush925.com. That's crush925.com. For Andrew Jones, I'm Mark Wilson. Thanks for listening.